0: Is good for the soul. Confession is good for the soul, and it's really, really bad for the ego. It kind of takes a weight off of you when you confess some things, but it also lets people know you don't have everything together, and that's bad for the ego. I I think though it's good from time to time to confess. There's nothing worse than kind of living a lie. There's nothing worse than having to play a game. There's nothing worse than having to be fake. And, and let's just be honest. We live in the fakest time in all of history. I mean, just go glance on social media, man. Everybody is great. Everybody is fantastic everybody posts all the great things in their life and nobody mentions the horrible things in their life because we want everyone to think we have it all together. We know we don't have it all together and we know they're lying and they don't have it all together. But that's the illusion that we want to give people. I mean, we're so fake, we can't even take a picture We can't even take a picture without putting about five filters on it. Getting rid of every blemish. I mean, the problem is some of you, if you were to turn up missing, we wouldn't have an accurate picture to find you with. Man, just fake. We're full of fakeness. And the sad reality is, as fake as our society has become... There is no place faker than the local church on Sunday morning all across our country. So I I don't like that. So let me repeat it for you then. The fakest place in the world is churches all across the country on a Sunday morning. Churches are full of a bunch of people whose lives are just as crazy and just as messed up and just as screwed up. And they're dealing with the same hurts, habits, and hang-ups and struggles that everyone else is dealing with. But by God, when they show up on Sunday, they've got a fake smile plastered on their face. They've got their best clothes on, their hair's fit perfect. And bless God, brother, I'm blessed. They turn into the parking lot and they move from English to Christianese. Man, what's going on? Praise God, brother, just here. Too blessed to be stressed. We fought the whole way here. We didn't talk the whole way here. I bitch slapped the kids on the way here today. And some of you look like you did that to your kids today. I have never seen so many people coming into church today ready to kill kids. My wife included. I didn't even ask what was going on. But boy, you get out of that car. Everything's good. We're just fake. We live in a fake society. The church is the fakest place. And sadly, the fakest people in the fakest place, nine times out of ten, are the preachers on stage. They have to act like they have it all together. They have to be prim and proper. If the people in the seats of most churches knew what the pastors on stage deal with, or are dealing with, are struggling with, are going through, they'd either fire the pastor or they'd quit going to the church. And yet, in the pastor's defense, they have no choice but to be fake because, again, They've got to act like they have it all together. They have to give the illusion that everything is perfect because we're on the stage above you. Therefore, we have to be better than you. I think I've told this story before. About a year after I lost everything, I was in Ingalls and ran into this couple who used to go to my church, and we made eye contact, and that was always an awkward thing to make eye contact I avoided eye contact because man I I'd screwed up and I'd let a lot of people down but once you make eye contact you are committed. You have to do something. So I did the nod. It immediately bounced my eyes. But as my eyes bounced back I could tell they were still staring. How are you guys? There was no we're good. Immediately, the husband said, F you. And I was like, here we go. I said, oh, yeah, really? And then he said something that stopped me in my tracks. He said, for five years. I didn't even ask him why. I was just hoping to move on. I I just wanted to go get my donuts. He said, for five years, I sat out there. And I had to listen to what a great dad you said you were. And I had to listen to what a great husband you said you were. And I had to listen to how you did this and did that. And every time I would come home and my wife and I would fight, you got brought up and why couldn't I be more like you? You fake. And then he called me a name. And he was right. You ever had somebody attack you and you feel like, answer that phone. Listen, you ever had someone attack you and you feel like your first instincts to fight back, but you can't fight back because, man, they're right. And I'll never forget, I looked at him and said, yeah, that must suck. Or that must have sucked. I'm sorry. And I just turned around and walked away. I wasn't pastoring. We hadn't started this church yet. And I made a commitment that day that I would never be fake on a stage again. That I would be as raw as I had to be and as honest as I had to be. (laughs) And I just said I refuse to be any other way. And if ten people show up because of that, then ten people show up because of that. At the end of the day, it'll be a cold day in hell before I become anything ever again but who I am. And for the people who like that, they can attend, and the people who don't like that, they can leave, or they can decide to never come. And I like to think that I'm pretty real and I'm pretty honest, but reality is I'm only that way about 90% of the time. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't still guarded when it comes to things I say, because at the end of the day, man, I, I, I don't like to make people mad, and I don't like to see people leave. And I actually had a pastor friend of mine tell me recently, he said, do you know that if you would just tone it down a bit, Action Church could be five times the size it is now. Man. But I decided early on that if people leave over me being me, then they just leave. But there's still that ten percent that I'm guarded, and so here's the deal: not during this series, we're going to be real AF. We're going to be no holds barred because here's the reality: if you're looking for the perfect pastor, you're at the wrong place. I don't have it all together. I've been known to get angry from time to time, not to getting angry to sin. But the Bible says, "In your anger, do not sin." I've been known to sin in my anger. Shocking, I know. (laughs) You're going to find this surprising, but I've been known to shoot off at the mouth from time to time. I'll be honest with you. I'm actually going to talk about this during this series. I'm really crappy at praying thought you were a pastor, yeah, I know, but I'm just not good at it. I forget. I I don't like to do it sometimes. I feel like I'm talking to the ceiling. I know it's not very pastor-like. I cuss too much. From time to time, it's a rarity, but from time to time, I drink too much. I battle temptations. I've let my family down. Grab. I've let you down. If it can be done wrong, I've done it. So if you're looking for the perfect pastor today or someone who has it all together, or if you're even looking for someone who's going to act like they have it all together, there's a couple of churches up the road you can go to. I know the pastors. I know how they act on Sunday, and they have it all together. (laughs) But I know how they act throughout the week, and they don't. Here's the kicker about it. I do all these things, and to be really honest with you, I'm not even really sorry about them. It's called being human. The Bible says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says there is nothing righteous, no, no, we all mess up, we all screw up. Including your favorite preacher on whatever stage it is across the country. It's just life, and life happens. So over the next couple of weeks, or as long as I feel like going, we're just going to get real, real, and I'm going to confess some things to you, and and I'm going to talk to you about some things, and it's going to be interesting. Next week, I'm going to talk to you on this subject. I don't really like Christians. What? Yeah. I don't. By what we've turned Christians into. I'm going to talk to you about some things I with. Did you know that there's times, you're going to find this shocking, I doubt God. I get angry at God. I get frustrated with God. There's times that I'm so arrogant that I tell God, God, if I was in charge, I wouldn't have done it that way. Don't act like you've never done that. I dig God a lot when he's doing things the way I would do them. (laughs) He doesn't always do that. It frustrates me sometimes. But today, I want to confess this to you because this has been a struggle for me lately. It's been a battle for me lately. It's not something that I necessarily like, but it's been going for about 18 months now. And it's this, confession number one, I've just been fighting lately. Does anybody relate to that? You just have been fighting lately? You've just been struggling with some things. There's some internal battles going on with you. It might be you've been physically fighting with someone. It might be you've emotionally been fighting. You've been mentally been fighting. You've been fighting about certain convictions you have. And you feel like everywhere you turn, you're just in a fighting mood. That's me. I've had a chip on my shoulder lately.
1: And i got to be real
0: honest with you. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. People think that I love to fight. Man, I, I hate it. It's exhausting. I hate conflict. Now, don't mistake that I hate conflict or I'm afraid of conflict. Those are two different things. And we're going to talk about that today. I often look at my life in general and I think to myself, man, life ought to be easier than this. My career, it shouldn't be this hard. My finances shouldn't be this stressful. My marriage shouldn't be this much work. I shouldn't want to kill my children 97.3% of the time. This ought to be easier. It's been in a fighting mood lately. But while I am in a fighting mood lately, there's something else God's been teaching me. That anything worth having is worth fighting for. Let me repeat that. I said, While I've been in a fighting mood lately and it's exhausting, anything worth having is worth fighting for. Let me be real blunt with you. We live in a society today that no longer has the testicular fortitude to want to fight. We're growing a generation that not only doesn't want to fight, they're afraid to fight. We're raising a group of people that they don't think the fight is worth it anymore. We have a society of quitters. That's the easy thing to do now. We quit on our dreams instead of fighting for our dreams. We quit on our friendships. We quit on our marriages. Some of say, marriage is just hard. Well, who told you it wasn't? Quit watching Disney movies. They quit on their finances. They quit on their health. I think more sadly... They quit on themselves. We're raising a society of quitters, and we have a society that no longer has conviction, that is no longer willing to take a stand. Instead of fighting for something we're fighting for, they curl up into a ball and they quit. Instead of fighting, they blame God and walk away from God because God was good when everything was great. That shows how little your faith is. But the minute it doesn't go our way, we start struggling. Let's get a kick out of it. I just burned out on church. But they burned out on work 20 years ago, yet they go every day. Society of quitters. We're raising a society. I don't even want to say we're raising a society because that implies it's only the younger folks. I'm seeing this actually in a lot of older folks and people my age. We have a society that is no longer true to who they were created to be because they live in fear of what others will think of them if they go after the way they feel called to live. I'm tired of fighting. Sometimes you got to fight. I, I, I want you to know, first of all, before we go any further, you don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. That'd probably be a really good lesson for some of y'all on social media. Someone told me the they said, All you do is fight on social media. I said, I never fight on social media. You do. Right? I just post what I need to post and I never respond. Some of the day was like, there's 500 comments in an hour. And I said, those weren't from me. I gave my opinion. Y'all want to spend all day fighting. You don't, have to be invi- you don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. But let me make this clear to you. There's some fights you need to fight. There's some things that you need to fight for. There's some things that are just worth getting bloody over. There's some things worth taking a punch over. There's some things worth taking a beating over, and there's some things worth swinging over. We need to become a society that knows when to fight and is willing to fight, because if you stand for nothing, was it Aaron Tippins who said you'll fall for anything? Been on a 90s country kick lately. Man. I heard a preacher say this this week in it. Stopped me. I immediately stopped and wrote it down. There's some things that if we don't stand for, we'll fall for in the end. This preacher said, We're born. Check this out. This is good. We're born looking like our parents. We die looking like our choices. We're born looking like our parents. We die looking like our choices. We die being known for what we're willing to fight for or what we're not willing to fight for. On your deathbed, you will regret the fights you didn't take. This book right here, it's the Word of God. And this book is full of battles. And not all were wars in the traditional sense, though there's a lot of that type of fighting. You'll see that Jesus fought the religious. Paul fought the churches that he started as they begin to wander off the path. Moses fought the lack of faith among his people as they wandered through the wilderness. David battled himself. The whole book of Psalms is David's guilt and David's fight with himself of not living up to the standard that he had set for himself. Notice I didn't say the standard God had set for him because God looked at him and said, there's a man in the midst of his hurts, in the midst of his habits, in the midst of his hang-ups, in the midst of his screw-ups, in the midst of all the things that we would ridicule him for. There's a man after my own heart. But David battled himself. My favorite parts of the Bible is found in Second Samuel, where the Bible talks about David, and it talks about the men that David had surrounded himself with. I believe that David was the greatest king to ever live. It's my opinion I'm, it's my opinion. He conquered more than anybody. But his greatness was not in the fact that he was the king. His greatness is in two things. First of all, he was called by God. We cannot eliminate that. But second of all, his greatness was found in the people that he put around him. I don't care how great the leader, he can't do it on his own. And David put some men around him who understood the principle of fighting. He put these mighty men around him. And Of these mighty men, in 2 Samuel, around chapter 23, he talks about three of those men. Now, normally when we go here, we begin to talk about Ben and I. It's one of my favorite sermons we talk about. He dove into the pit with the lion. But before we get to Ben and I, in this portion of Scripture, he talks about some other guys. And, and as bad to the bone as David was, the men around him were, were tougher. They had a cause. They believed in David. They were willing to fight for David. They knew God had called David. And of these men, there was three of them. And check what it says. Second Samuel 28, let's start about verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. We're going to call this guy Joe because I can't pronounce his name. Joe was chief of the three. Check out what he did. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. That's a bad dude. He raised his spear and killed 800 men in one battle. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines. I like that they taunted them. Egged them on a little bit. Talked a little smack. Cut a promo on them if you're into wrestling. When they taunted the Philistines gathered for battle, then the Israelites retreated. So I think it's funny here. So Eleazar and David, they're ready to fight. Yet the Israelites, they retreat. They're scared. Is there a next verse of that, verse 10? But Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze. He fought for so long that his hand wrapped around the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and their troops returned to Eleazar. (laughs) This ain't even the sermon. After you fight a fight, everyone who left you will return after you win. The Lord brought a great victory. The troops returned to Eleazar, but they only returned to strip the dead. They never got to brag about fighting. They never got to brag about the victory. But we're going to camp out right here about verse 11. I had an entirely different direction. I wasn't even going here this week in my sermon. And I was reading about David's mighty men because I've been in a fighting mood. And if you're going to fight, you better have some people that want to fight with you. And I was... Reading this, and I got it beside myself right here because it says next to him is Shamma when the Philistines banded together at the place where there was a field full of lentils. Let me break that down for you country folk. He was standing in a pea patch. Nothing glamorous about it. Nothing extraordinary about it. Just a good old-fashioned pea patch. They banded together a place where there was a field of lentils. And yet again, Israel's troops fled from them. Leave it there right there for a second, Xander. So I want you to picture this to me. Shammah's standing there. He's got the Israeli troops around him. They're fixing to go to battle with the Philistines over a pea patch. Shammah says, let's throw down. Let's fight. This pea patch is worth fighting for. To you, it might be a simple pea patch. To me, it's worth fighting for because here's the deal. I've got an army and they need food. I've got an army and they need protein. And Shama knew that whoever got a pea patch in the end would win the war because they would get the nutrients needed to continue to fight. If the Philistines got it, they would get the protein. If the Philistines got it, they would get the nourishment. If the Philistines got it, they would get the refreshment. But the Israelites ran The masses will always run when you get ready to fight. They'll talk the talk. They'll tell you where they stand because it's easy to tell you where I'll stand until i got to stand. As an innocent bystander who works at a company of one, two, less than a hundred, And I don't care where you stand on it. Let me make that very clear. But it's going to be interesting to see how many talk the talk and how many will stand when they got to stand. And again, don't read into that me giving you a, where I stand on it. I'm just simply saying it's an illustration of what's going on here. They said, Well, fight! Oh, until it's time to fight. Israelite troops fled from them. Verse 12, but. God, I love the butts of the Bible. But ain't nothing like a good butt. Kylie. I just said something funny that everybody else is too nervous to amen. So I'm gonna say it again. I need you to amen, because you don't care what Betty thinks. I said there ain't nothing like a good butt. But, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He said, It might just be a pea patch to you, but to me it's a pea patch worth fighting for. He defended it and he struck the Philistines down. One man, whole platoon of Philistines in a pea patch. Say, Why would he fight for a pea patch? Because it was a pea patch worth fighting for. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I'm excited about this message when there's some people out there today who are fighting. There's some people out there that are struggling. There's some people out there today that are trying to decide am I going to fight or am I not going to fight? they got two choices. They can be like the Israelites and they can run. Or they can be like shaman. They can stand in the middle of their pea patch because their pea patches were fighting for, Lord. And Lord, I pray you to give them the strength. And I want you to notice, amen, I want you to notice, he stood in the field and the Lord brought the victory. When you decide to fight for whatever it is you're fighting for, you might take some beatings along the way. There's no way he fought the whole army and didn't take a beating. There's no way he didn't walk away sore, but the Lord brought about the great victory. Here's what I want you to know. I know some of you today are fighting. I don't know what it is you're fighting for, but I know you're fighting. Some of you are fighting for your finances today. Some of you are fighting for your children today. Some of you are fighting for your marriages today. Some of you are fighting for your careers today. Some of you are fighting to hold on to what you have. Some of you are fighting God about the next step God has for you. I don't know what it is, but there's some truths found in this. And you've got to decide, is this pea patch we're fighting for? A couple of observations. The first thing I, I want you to notice is that everyone has a battle. Everyone has a battle. Everyone had a battle. This was Shama's battle. But the fact of the matter is they were in the midst of a war. And when you're in a war, every soldier's fighting. The ones who retreated were fighting. They just chose to retreat from the battle. Shamma was in the middle of a battle. Let me make this very clear. I'm not trying to diminish your battle today. But your battle doesn't make you special. It doesn't make you unique. It doesn't make you one of a kind. Because everyone has a battle. Gary, you don't know what I've been through. I'm sure it's horrible. I'm not trying to minimize it. But I could have people stand up all day and share with you things in their life that are horrible. Things that they've been through heartaches that they've dealt with, unfair situations. Let me tell you the biggest lie that we ever tell people is life is fair. Life is not fair. So you had a battle. You're in the midst of a battle. They were at war. Everyone was at battle. You aren't special because you're in the midst of a battle. You're simply a human. One of day was telling me, hey, you just don't know I lost my grandparents at a young age and they raised me. I am so sorry you lost your grandparents. Wham! I'm so sorry that whatever happened in your life, you lost your job. You invested in something and it went belly up. Your spouse wasn't faithful. Your kids are in rebellion. I don't know what it is, and I understand it's a battle and life is full of battles, but you need to understand something today. Everybody's battling. That waitress at the restaurant's battling. That guy who pulled out in front of you in traffic, I don't know what his battle is, but he's battling. That person that you can't stand and they did you wrong, as much as you can't stand that they did you wrong, they got some kind of battle that makes them broken inside, and that's why they did you wrong. Everybody has a battle. I don't know your battle. Let me make it very clear, I don't want to know it. Wrong pastor for that. Don't direct message me your personal life. But you don't know my battles. You don't know what I'm struggling with. We love to minimize the battles of other people. We love to minimize even our own battles and not deal with them. But a battle's a battle. Some of you here today, because it just seems to be the hot topic you're battling for. Rephrase that. Most of you that are here probably would not be battling this. Those of you that would be watching online and will be listening to the podcast later because you were too afraid to come to church today, you're battling fear. I get it. You're afraid of COVID. We have a friend that literally can't get out of bed over fear of COVID. Crazy thing is they've already had COVID, already overcame COVID. But they're literally in breakdown mode over fear of something. So many people, in order not to die, have stopped living. I said so many people, in order not to die, have stopped living. You're living in fear right now. The problem is, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear. Matter of fact, the most given command in all the Bible is do not fear. It's given 365 times uniquely, one for every day of the year. Do not fear. Someone asked me one time, they said, do, do you worry about getting this or that? I, I, if I get it, I get it. So that's easy for you to say you haven't lost anybody. Yes, we have. We have. Lost people couldn't be any closer. And It's heartbreaking. But I refuse to change. Everyone has a battle. Some of you right now, you're battling finances. The economy is odd right now. We're being told people are thriving. Whoever's alarm's going off, turn that thing off. Or we're going to have another battle. Everyone has a battle. Told people are thriving, yet I know so many people that appear to be thriving, and they'll tell you, man, they're doing all they can just to survive. They don't know when the bottom's coming out. They don't know when things are going to get flipped. I I know business owners that are literally hanging by a thread right now. I know people who, who, who went over a year without a paycheck, and now it's catching up to them. Some of you are battling with friendships right now. Friendship is interesting to me. It's one of the areas God's been dealing with me a lot lately. Friendship is interesting to me. I want to do an entire series on friendship. In my own personal life, I got to say, this is one of my battles. I've been struggling in the area of friendship. I recently had a friend betray me in huge ways. Betray me so bad that if I had a gun, I'd have put it between his eyeballs and for the first time in my life thought about pulling the trigger. I don't believe a pastor would say that. Let me say it again. I'd have put a gun between his head and put that on the podcast. Because I didn't. but it has me evaluating what friendship is and what it means. It's a battle. Everyone has a battle. Let's be honest. Some of you are battling right now in your marriage. Let me give you a little newsflash. Marriage is hard. Two different people coming together and doing life together, remaining individual But becoming a team? Man, let's be honest. For every one reason you have to stay in your marriage, you got ten reasons to leave. That's what society tells us to do, to leave. Marriage is hard, man. And the longer you're married, someone said the longer you're married, the easier it gets. No, it doesn't. It's harder to get stale and you get content. Marriage is hard. Some of you are battling with the life you've built. This is gonna seem like a weird one, but make no mistake about it, it's a battle. Some of you are battling your success right now. See, so that must be a good battle to have. If you haven't walked in those shoes. We're battling success right now in some things. We have areas of our life professionally that are so successful. Thank God for it. But they're a battle. They're causing tension and stress and chaos and sleepless nights, trying to keep up with it. Again, good problem, it's easy because you ain't in those shoes. And the fact that you think it must be nice is why you'll never be in those shoes. The bigger and the more successful something you build, the more people will come after it. Any Yellowstone fans out there? Man, I love me some Yellowstone. If you have not watched Yellowstone... You need to get right with God. Main character in the TV show is John Dutton, and he has this 36,000-acre ranch, and everyone's trying to take it. And he says a quote, John Dutton said, it's the one constant in life. You build something worth having, someone's going to try to take it. Literally, I'm going to get that printed and hang it in my office because here's the deal. When you are successful, people will try to take what you have. They'll try to take your marriage. They'll try to take your children. They'll try to take your business that you built. They'll try to take your happiness. Everyone has a battle. Shama had a battle. He's in the pea patch. Ready to fight. Everybody else has run off. I don't know what it is you're battling today. Gary, I just lost my job. You got a battle. So you can curl up in the fetal position and suck your thumb. You can feel sorry for yourself or you can just, man, hey, here's the pea patch and I'm going to fight. It's easy to quit. It's easy to walk out on the marriage. It's easy to give up on the kid. Quitting's easy. Can I let you in on a little secret? You know why quitting is easy? I had this, I wrote this down this week. Quitting is easy because starting over is easy. 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 It's easy to start over. Get out of this marriage You go get another one and have the excitement and the, the pizzazz of a new one. And oh my God, they're so great and they don't have dirty socks and they don't pass gas and it's great. <laughs> go to a new job and go through the honeymoon period. Which it's easy to start over. Starting is easy. Building something's hard. I can start businesses all day long. You know where I get off track? Starting to build them. Once they start taking off, I get bored. I'm like, oh, let's pass this on to someone else. Let's start another one. It's easy to start. It's hard to build. It's easy to bail on the marriage after two years. Easy to bail on the marriage after five years, 10 years, 15 years, 25 years. But to stick it out, to hit that 40th anniversary, that 50th anniversary, to get where Christine's grandparents were. And Christine and Rick's family, their grandparents were the Holy Grail. They they should have been. I I don't remember if it was 40 or 50. It was a long time. Second marriage is for them. Died a month apart this last year. And everybody talked about how great their marriage was, and it was super, and it was fantastic. And I believe it was all those things. Do not miss this. I'm not minimizing it. But I remember telling Christine one time, I said, you think they've been together 40-something years and didn't have hard times? I said, you don't think that there was times they weren't ready to leave, leave each other? I ain't saying they did anything, but you don't think there was times that somebody caught someone else's eye? or That's just life, but you know the difference between them and us? They didn't get on social media and talk about it. They didn't have direct messages to keep on going with each other. And that says. They had landlines. And they had to hunker down and say, if we're going to get through these hard... And by me, I'm not saying they had anything like that because I don't know. I'm just saying I'm not stupid. I do know that Grandma got in the car one time. How long was she gone, Christine? A week? Left? Got mad at Hal, drove all the way to Michigan to see her best friend. Again, no cell phones back in those days. Gets to Michigan, finds out the best friend's in Florida. She does a U-turn and drives down to Florida. That's the cope in her. <laughs> But they stuck it out and they had something beautiful. You know why? Because it's easy to start over. But you got to build something. You don't build something worth having by starting over all the time. I know the grass is greener on the other side of the fence because it's on a septic tank and you don't realize that. The other job sounds great. The whatever, it sounds great. Everyone's battling. When you're battling, your battle will seem overwhelming. I'm going to sit there. He, he's by himself. It's overwhelming. He's got a fire, hope, routine. It, it will seem impossible. It seems impossible how you're going to get through this financial situation. I get it. I've been there. I understand. Twelve years ago, lost everything financially. I understand. Seems impossible. Overwhelming. It seems unfair. It's not fair that I'm having to deal with this situation because of someone else's action. It's a battle, but everyone has a battle, and the battles seem like the whole world stacked against you. Get it? Huh. John was in a pea patch. A pea patch by himself. Why not just retreat? (laughs) Why not retreat? Because he knew if he didn't take a stand here, there'd be nothing left to stand for. The lentils, the peas were needed for the army. They needed that nourishment. They needed that protein. He could fuel his men or he could allow the enemy to have that pea patch and fuel themselves. Last eighteen months, I've how are we on time. I hope your crock pot's on low today. In the uh last eighteen months I've had so many people here, you've changed. You seem even more confrontational than normal. You're right, I've changed. I will not apologize for the fact that I've changed. In the last eighteen months, I've had to fight like I've never had to fight. In my adult life, I had to fight to make sure my family was provided for because the industry that I'm in that pays my income was affected by what was going on. You're damn straight, I fought. You're straight, I changed. I, I fought to make sure that my children understand I'm smoking what I'm selling when I preach their whole life that life is a gift and you ought to seize every moment of it and we're not going to seize it being locked into our house going going through the motions. I fault. I don't apologize. And if you chose not to fight that way, or you chose to believe different, that's okay. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm telling you this is a fight I fought. Fault. Fault for my family over the last 18 months. I feel like we have been under attack non-stop. We've lost friends that were close to us. We've had people walk away because of stands that I've taken. We've had past heartaches return to our life that have flared up those heartaches again. It's been a battle. But guess what? Everyone battles. We're not special because of that. You've all had your own battles. I know people, I feel like everywhere I go, people are cornering me nowadays and telling me about the battles they're going through. You need to accept that life is full of battles. For the first time ever, I felt like I had to fight for my convictions. I didn't know you had such strong convictions in this area. I never had to. You didn't need to know I had those convictions. But I have lived my forty five years, my entire adult life, by my rules, doing what I want to, and enjoying freedom to live my life as I so chose. I have changed. I'm no longer afraid of the backlash of fighting. I used to be balanced and I still want to be and I still believe everybody can have their own opinion. That's an amazing thing about me. I can disagree with you and still love you. Some of y'all should do learn that. i was afraid of the backlash of fight now i run to the fight i have a phrase run to confrontation you know why i run to confrontation because if i don't run to it i play it up in my mind and i think about the con- i recently had to confront somebody the 3 days leading up to that confrontation was hell cuz i had played it up in my mind I had looked at every scenario. That's how my mind works. If this happens and this happens and this happens, and if they say this and they say this, here's how I'm going to handle this. Finally, I got to have the meeting, and when it was over, it was over. I'd rather had the meeting the first day. The mental battle was worse than the physical battle. Everyone has a battle. You spend more energy avoiding fighting than you do fighting. What's your pee patch today? What's your line in the sand today? What's the thing you know you need to fight for, even though the odds are stacked against you? The Philistine army's coming, and you're in a freaking pea patch by yourself. I don't know what it is, but you do. But we need to get like Nehemiah was. Nehemiah got sent back to rebuild the wall, and he's getting the children of Jerusalem excited about that. Look what he says in Nehemiah 4.14. He said, after I looked things over, he'd seen the broken down walls. I stood up, and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Afraid of who? The ones that want to fight. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. I like how he said, hey, just remember whose side we're on. Hey, newsflash, we win. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And he said, fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. And fight for your homes. Some of you need to quit feeling sorry for yourself and you need to start fighting. Some of you men need to be the men you were created. Quit letting society neuter you. Quit letting society make you feel bad for having masculinity. We need to get back to some gentlemen, but we need savage gentlemen who are willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that we win the fight that we're fighting. Accept the fight because you have something worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your children is worth fighting for. Your purpose is worth fighting for. Your vision is worth fighting for. Your convictions are worth fighting for. Your morals are worth fighting for. Your God and your faith and your beliefs, they're worth fighting for. Who cares if you lose friends over it? What you fight for today will determine the finality of your future. The fights you fight today will determine everyone has a battle. Hey, we got to move on. Many times you have to fight alone. That's what I've learned about fighting. Many times you will fight alone. When the Philistines banded together at the place where there was a field of lentils, Israel troops fled. But Shama stood his ground. This is a hard one to to swallow if you're a loyalty person like I am. Because I expect everyone's going to fight my fights with me, but I have learned along the way that very few will. Most fights that you fight, you will fight alone. Many times when you decide to take a stand... At least publicly, you'll stand alone. If I had a dollar for every direct message and private message and text message I have from people who say, man, I agree everything 100% with everything you've been posting, keep it up, but don't have the whatever to post publicly, I'd be a millionaire. I'd take a stand, but I'd lose my job. I'd take a stand. You, I, someone who you, you I wish I was like you, man. You can say whatever you want to and not lose stuff. Are you crazy? All those events I do, I don't do them on my property. And anytime those developers, the people over those properties, be like, hey, you're too controversial. We don't want you on our property. And I'm not saying you got to be me, but I'm saying I don't care. I'll find somewhere else to go. Because I'm going to take a stand. When you're tired to take a stand, many times you'll fight alone. Guess what? That's normal. The majority might even feel the way you feel. But the majority will go with the flow. Because they are not leaders. They don't have the backbone to fight. They're the side who's become quitters. Even though they don't agree, man, they just go with it. It is what it is. The Israeli army knew how important this pea patch was. Matter of fact, they knew if we go fight, we might die quick. But if we don't fight, we're not going to get the peas and we're not going to get the nutrients we need and we're going to die slowly if they chose to run. People will abandon you when you decide to fight. Get used to it. I have friends that I used to talk to every single day of my life that I don't talk to anymore. That I'm not part of their life anymore because of fights that I've decided to fight. You know how many people left this church when we decided we weren't shutting the doors and we were opening them back up? Some of those people were the closest people in my world to me. I went to lunch with them every single Sunday, talked to them every single day. You know how many pastors locally came out against us for being the first church to open back up? You say, you don't care. No, I care. It sucks. No one wants to be attacked. But I didn't care. You say, but you just said you cared. I cared. But I didn't care. My I don't care overrode my I do care. You know how many people left my side, including... Business associates and vendors, when I decided to start putting on events again. Some of my closest friends. I'm trying to provide for my family, and they're cutting a rug. Sorry, I don't have a government job that paid me to stay home for three months. Oh, did I say that? Good for them for having a government job, man. They're smarter than me. I'm 45 and dumb. You make the decision to quit drinking, you know how many of your friends will no longer call anymore? You decide, I'm going to stick in this marriage even though it don't make sense. You know how many people will tell you you're stupid? You know how many people will make fun of the choices you make financially when you make the decision that you're going to get your finances in order and get out of debt? So you can't have fun anymore? Now we're going to live like nobody else for a little while or we can live like nobody else for the rest of our life. Huh. Man. You're trying to better your life. And they're telling you why you shouldn't. You know why? Cuz misery loves company. They want your life to be miserable and suck because theirs is miserable and sucks. It's just reality. Listen, people will abandon you when you decide to fight. Not only that, people will think you're nuts when you decide to fight. You mean to tell me the Philistines rolled up on this place and their sham in the middle of a pea patch, in the middle of a freaking pea patch by himself? And they didn't start laughing? How about his own friends that ran? They had to think he was crazy. What's he doing? I know he's tough, man. Man, it was good knowing him. He's standing in the pee patch. He's alone. and He's ready to fight. say, why would he do that? (laughs) I'm missing the point. He did it because he had something to fight for. You have something to fight for today. Your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. I don't know what battle you're fighting. Everyone has a battle, but I do know when you decide to fight it, you might fight it alone. I, I literally heard someone the other day say, I don't know why he's fighting for his marriage. I'd be gone after what happened. It's going to be hard for me to be around her knowing what she did or what he did, whatever. It goes both ways. Let me tell you why he's fighting for that marriage. Because he has a vision for what marriage can be. And it's worth fighting for. They screwed up. We all screw up. I don't know why she doesn't give up on him. He'll never change. She's never given up on him because she doesn't see what you see. Back that up. She sees what you don't see, you see the snippets. You see the outburst. You see the negative things. She sees the whole picture and knows it's worth fighting for. I've asked this question a hundred times about people, and I feel bad about it, but I've been like, man, how long do you keep hoping your children are going to get it together? And then I think to myself, if it was my child, let me tell you how long. As long as it freaking takes. I'm not giving up on them. He quit his job to go do his own thing? Yes. Because he has a vision to build his vision instead of someone else's vision. They'll think you're crazy. They won't understand it. People will leave you by yourself when you decide to fight. Okay. Okay made recently cut someone out of my life that could have affected my business in a very big way I didn't know how it would go. I didn't think about it for one second. I cut them out of my life and if the business relationship that came from that fell apart, it fell apart. but guess what? it didn't fall apart because when you do what's right, God will always take care of it. Gary, just settle down. calm down a little bit, Gary. No! <laughs> The minute I have to water myself down is the minute I resign and Larry can come here and preach every week or Grady can have it or David can have it. I don't think any of those guys are going to water it down either though. David had no one when he had to fight Goliath. Ben and I had no one when he jumped in the pit with the lion. Paul was left in prison for preaching the disciples and he was alone. Every one of the disciples died for their faith when you take a stand, sometimes you do it alone. It might mean you've got to cut some people out of your life, parents out of your life, children out, business associations. I don't know what it is, but you have got to take the stand and fight. If the fight was easy, everyone would do it. It's not easy. But you fight anyway. And when you realize you're fighting alone, you fight in good company. Christine and I have had some big discussions recently. We decided over the last few months, we just come to the conclusion. I would already been at this conclusion. he <laughs> just came on board. We just don't care who approves of our lifestyle and who doesn't. Because they don't answer for the choices we make. Someone asked me the recently, they said, what do you think about so-and-so when they do some weird stuff in their marriage? I said, I don't think about it, it's none of my business. What? None of my business. I don't not for me. There's no secrets going on there. They all seem open about it. Seems to work. I don't gotta answer for it. Guess what? I got enough stuff in my life to answer for. Fight alone. told someone the other day, I said, through my festivals and church and wrestling and concerts, and now I've moved over in this relationship with this tequila company and all this stuff. Like, my community is bigger than ever. The amount of people that I know is bigger than ever. But the bigger my community gets, the smaller my core has to get. Everyone doesn't get the same me. that's okay. And nobody except the person I'm married to gets all of me. Sometimes you fight alone. No one's going to understand why you stayed, but you do, and that's all that matters. I'm done right here. We're going to go home. God will do miracles in your mismatch. I actually heard a sermon called that this week. I stole it for this point. God will do miracles in your mismatch. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defeated and struck down the Philistine. That's a mismatch. One man against an entire army. That's a mismatch. Yet Shammah took his stand. He fought for what he knew was right. He fought for the... I don't. This is good. This ain't even part of my notes. Hey, he fought for those who wouldn't fight. They ran. They left. And he fought. Put that verse back up. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Shamma didn't win this war. God won the war through Shamma. You're fighting for your marriage. You're fighting for people that can't fight. Maybe you're fighting for your marriage. You don't even realize it's going to affect your kids how you fought for it one day. They're not big enough to be able to fight, but man, one day they're going to grow up, and mom and dad are going to be together, and they're going to be glad you fought. You're fighting for that business, and your employees don't even know that you're fighting behind the scenes, and they're going to be glad that you fought. You're fighting for your finances, and no one else understands it, but that day comes, and you're financially debt free. And you can live the life that you want to live on your rules. You fight the fight. And your mismatch becomes a great miracle. God gets the glory out of it. Your mismatch will become your greatest miracle. Life's full of battles. It's full of battles. I'm going to wrap it up. Life's full of battles. I don't know which ones you're fighting. Make sure you're fighting the right ones. But by God, when you determine it's the right one, you fight. Fight and don't worry about the odds. Fight for your marriage. That might mean you need to get into some counseling and get some issues worked out in your life. Oh, by the way, I don't care who messed up and did what in the marriage. It takes two, and both of you screwed up along the way somewhere. Just the way it happens. But, but this person cheated. Yeah, I know. And this person did all this stuff that led to this person cheating, and they're still responsible for their actions, but this person ain't innocent. Newsflash. Men are the worst about this. Because men are conquerors. We conquer marriage and then we quit doing what we did to get the marriage to begin with because we move on to the next thing. Now we've conquered marriage we've got to conquer finances. So we neglect the marriage to make sure we're building something money-wise and we forget about the marriage. That's a whole other sermon for another day. God will do miracles in your mismatch. If you're fight is big enough that you can do it without God, it ain't the right fight. God will do miracles in your match with your purpose. You don't understand what you're going through and why you're going through this because God's shaping you for a purpose. When the odds are stacked against you, that's when it gets good. Because that's when you have to rely on God. Huh. Like I said if you can win the fight by yourself, it ain't a big enough fight. I don't understand why we go through crazy times. I don't understand why we go through difficult times. I don't understand why life gives us curveballs and why life just can't be easy. But I know it's the crazy times that mold me into the person that God wants me to be, not the good times. The good times, I feel like, are kind of the reward for the molding process. That's first book of Gary. I don't know if it's biblical. Deuteronomy says this For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. The odds seem crazy now. Fight. It's worth fighting for. God will take your mess and turn it into your greatest ministry. God will take your failures and prepare you for your future. God will take your scars and and turn it into your song and God will take your mismatch and make it into a miracle. But you got to fight. You got to fight. Fight because you have something worth fighting for. Stand in your pea patch Because the pea patch is worth fighting for. Makes me laugh to even say that phrase. Fight for your pea patch. That's the point. It shows how minuscule it is to us, but it wasn't to them. Fight because you have something to fight for. Let's pray.